This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. My co-host Bob Ambrosi is vacationing in perhaps cloudy and cold Northern California in San Francisco this week, so we'll be, I'll be flying solo. I write a blog called May It Please the Court. But today we're going to be talking about uh, what's been going on throughout the U.S. history in terms of lawyers and their involvement as presidents. Throughout history, there have been 25 lawyers out of the 43 U.S. presidents. The legal profession has produced far more American presidents than virtually any other occupation, perhaps other than farmers. Uh, so, so far in, in the upcoming 2008 election, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Edwards, all lawyers, have used their law backgrounds to benefit and put their bids in for the White House. And we're going to be taking a look back throughout history today to look at lawyers and who've also used their legal background as a springboard to become president in the United States. We'll look at lawyer presidents as good, bad, and indifferent and suggest how their training and experience as lawyers has had a bearing on where they fit on that scale. We'll then apply that approach to the backgrounds of today's lawyers' candidates. So I'd like to welcome our first guest, who's Dr. Barbara Perry. Dr. Perry is the Carter Glass Professor of Government and Executive Director, Center for Civic Renewal at Sweetbriar College in Virginia. She is presently a senior fellow at the University of Louisville's McConnell Center, in, back in 1994-95, she served as a judicial fellow at the U.S. Supreme Court of the Office of Administrative Assistant to the Chief Justice, where she received the Tom C. Clark Award. She's an expert on the U.S. Supreme Court and has interacted with most of the current justices and follows constitutional law and the inner workings of the court. In addition, she's published books and articles on the Kennedy presidency and family. She has expertise in the studies of first ladies as well. She wrote the section, Lawyer Presidents and Their Supreme Court Appointments, in the book, American Lawyer Presidents, From Law Office to Oval Office. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Happy to be with you today, Craig. And also joining us is Professor Kinvin Roth. Professor Roth is a professor of law at Vermont Law School since 1996. He's served as the school's sixth dean from 1996 through 2004. And from 2003 to 2004, he had the additional title of president. Previously, he served as dean of the University of Maine's Law School and was on the Maine faculty uh, prior to coming to Vermont. Professor Roth is an expert in the areas of procedure, professional conduct, and legal history. At Vermont Law School, he has taught comparative law, the Canadian legal system, race and the law, civil procedure, and land use law. And he, and he will be teaching that class again in the spring of 2007. Since 2005, he's been the director of the law school's Land Use Institute, Professor Roth wrote the section, John Adams, Patriot Lawyer in American Lawyer Presidents from Law Office to Oval Office. Welcome to the show, Kinvin. Thank you. Glad to be here, Craig. Our next guest is Professor David Bennett. Professor Bennett is the Meredith Professor of History from the Maxwell School at Syracuse University. Besides working as in the History Department at the Maxwell School with an academic specialization in Modern American History and Modern Military History, Professor Bennett wrote the section William Jefferson Clinton on the political lawyer for the same book, America's Lawyer Presidents from Law Office to Oval Office. Welcome to the show, Professor Bennett. Good to be with you. 
Well, let's take a look back uh, through history and kind of identify uh, where lawyers have stood uh, on the scale of of um, lawyer presidents and who, who's been good ones, who's been bad ones. I'll throw that question out to all three of you. Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to begin fielding that, if it's all right. Uh, I, I did a look back at uh, the famous uh, Arthur Schlesinger Jr. rankings of presidents from 1996 and uh, discovered that lawyer presidents are actually scattered throughout the ranking categories from the very top that he listed, Schlesinger, that is, as from great or near great uh, down to failure. Uh, the highest percentage, uh, I have to say, among the lawyer presidents is in the below average category. <laughs> That's the uh, three quarters or three out of four who are listed in below average. Uh, but on the other hand, the good news is that two-thirds of the great or near great, that is six out of the nine presidents who were rated as great or near great, uh, were lawyers. Dr. Uh, Roth, who's, who do you think the standout president is? The standout uh, among the lawyers, you mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, well, I guess we'd have to uh, uh, go with uh, uh, Lincoln with that title simply because of the pivotal role at his his uh, story, both uh, what he brought to it as a lawyer, but more important, I think, what he brought to it as uh, as a human being, an American, uh, uh, has uh, such a critical place in our history and our sense of ourselves. I don't know where uh, uh, the late Arthur Schlesinger put, put him on that ranking list, Barbara. But uh, put put him as great and, and number one overall. Yeah, well, okay. I'm glad, always glad to be on the same page with Arthur. Absolutely. There, there, are, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of judgments about great presidents, near great presidents, and uh, these surveys are taken periodically among historians. Uh, much of it reflects people's judgment about uh, how these presidents rank across the years in history, some of it, uh, whether or not they agreed or disagreed with, uh, with it, what these people did it, as presidents. But I think most of us would agree that Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, all of them lawyers were among the, the great presidents. Professor Bennett, do you think that time defines the presidency or the president defines the times? Well, the t- in, 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 in one sense, the times will define the presidency. Clearly, Lincoln was president at a critical moment in history. FDR came at the time of the Great Depression and was president through the Great Second World War. Uh, you have to have an opportunity, I suppose, to be a great president to deal with, uh, with great events. But uh, there is also the way in which the president is able to take advantage of the the opportunities and meet the challenges of the time, which will lead one to judge whether whether this president has been successful or not, and it has to do with their political skill, their character, and their vision. Well, Barbara, you've written a little bit about President Kennedy. Do you think that he did some definition of the times? Oh, I think so. I, I think he both defined, as, as we look back on the 60s, uh, coming out of the 50s, which uh, obviously had their own special characteristics uh, as, as a decade, but that uh, Kennedy not only uh, lent his name and, and, of course, his wife, the metaphor of Camelot to the 60s that we now look back on. Uh, so he both reflected, I think, the, the coming importance of media, 
uh, as, as well as uh, reflected uh, the longings of, of people at that time, the, the coming to the fore of the, the World War II generation that uh, we now, thanks to Tom Brokaw's book, call the greatest generation, uh, and, the, and the literal passing of the torch, if you will, uh, from the Eisenhower generation to the, the World War II generation. So uh, he certainly both reflected and, and shaped the 1960s. Kinvin, you concentrated on John Adams. What do you? And I believe that he was the first lawyer president. What, what can you tell us about about uh, President Adams? Well, naturally, contrary probably to uh, I don't know about Arthur Schlesinger, but uh, some of the other lists, uh, I would uh, rank him among the the top presidents. So one might have to say that his presidency itself was somewhat conflicted and. Uh, uh, of uh, too short a duration to do all it uh, it might have, but um, uh, he began, after all, before the revolution, as uh, an intensively engaged practicing lawyer. Yet one whose uh, both his uh, training, which was largely uh, the result of his own reading and the fortune of some very intelligent uh, senior practitioners in the bar. Uh, though that training gave him a sense of of uh, constitutionalism in the broadest sense, both philosophically and functionally, that I think uh, led him both uh, to take the leading role that he did in the uh, development of the Constitution, not its framing, but but its framework behind it, and and the development of the new republic. So I I think we have to. Uh, um, rank him at the top, and uh, one who brought from the practice of law the principles that uh, 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 lead him to that ranking. Well, one of the other father-son combinations, John Quincy Adams, who was a son of John Adams, he, I believe, argued landmark U.S. Supreme Court cases before and after his presidency. Do you think his father influenced him to become a lawyer and then influenced uh, him to become a president? Well, I think I think very much so. Uh, uh, not perhaps by pounding on him to do those things, but certainly by both example and the exposure to the uh, high levels of both the uh, uh, diplomatic world, which, in which Adams was an important player before the Constitution, and of course uh, the presidency. Then um, Adams. Uh, uh, after leaving Washington in a, a fit of despair in 1801, uh, hung on for another 25 years, uh, firing paper bullets uh, at uh, all and sundry, so that his ideas, I think, continue to be a, an important part of John Quincy Adams maturing in those uh, years leading up to uh, to his presidency and uh, that began just as his father uh, was about to pass from the scene in 1826. Um, Craig, as long as we're back in the founding period, I, I wondered if we might bring up uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, and I always, as a longtime resident of Charlottesville and a graduate of what we call Mr. Jefferson's University, the University of Virginia, uh, always feel the need to, to cite him. He, of course, usually shows up in the near-great category among the presidents. Uh, and I think very much like Adams, uh, certainly before he came to the White House, such an important founding father, obviously, uh, and that 
some have called the Declaration of Independence a, a legal brief, and, and I actually assign it to my students to, to read in that way. Obviously, we want to garner from it the, uh, the very principles of our founding and our revolution, but I always have them look at it as a, as a brilliantly legally argued document, uh, and no doubt his, his legal training uh, had contributed to that. As did Adam's one. Yeah. As to Ed. I think my colleagues are right to point to the, the work of the, the great um, founding fathers as uh, lawyer present. We should also, of course, spend a little time on more recent lawyer presidents. Um, I was asked to do the piece on uh, Bill Clinton for this book that the American Bar Association had, uh, had sponsored. Uh, as we know, there have not been as many um, lawyers who've been presidents in the post uh, World War II period. Um, Clinton, of course, was an extremely um, bright figure and a very able um, uh, discussant of legal questions. Uh, when I was doing that piece, I interviewed counsels who had served with him as White House counsels. One of the participants in a meeting that they had had uh, in which they were discussing a range of religious questions remembered that after discussing a case for 30 or so minutes, Bill Clinton walked in and engaged in a kind of invigorating, they said, and free-ranging debate the kind of law professors die for about timing and the meaning of the religious clauses. And as I talked to this counsel, uh, and I can't recall if he was a member of a major law firm or a law professor now. There were a couple of them that I talked to. He said that it was um, really extraordinary that a president of the United States could come into a room and sit down and discuss in depth with erudition and a passion based not only on religious conviction, but also on constitutional thought, the pros and cons of a case. So in Clinton's case, we did have a, a man trained in the law, and of course he taught briefly at the University of Arkansas Law School, a man who was surrounded by a number of, uh, of lawyers, two of them as chief of staff, his greatest confidant, of course, another uh, very uh, able lawyer, now a presidential candidate, his, uh, his wife, Hillary. He's... Uh, He's certainly a lawyer president who was successful in the office. Well, Clinton ranks in a couple of particular categories, perhaps notorious as well as qualified. Uh, what kind of a influence do you think that uh, the media and the scrutiny that current presidents undergo has had an effect on lawyers as president compared to the founding fathers as lawyers as presidents? Well, I think that uh, there's no doubt that he... Um, was president at a time of great um, um, personal um, and ideological passion. He was uh, subject to an effort to demean and debase his presidency through much of his earlier um, term in office uh, in the private sector. There were cable channels, national talk radio shows, right-wing think tanks, all involved in an effort to demean and disgrace him. And there were a series of small scandals, as we remember, some of them not so small, Whitewater, Filegate, Travelgate, much of them uh, amounting to little or nothing. But then there was the impeachment crisis having to do with the, with the great sex scandal that involved uh, Monica Lewinsky. But Clinton himself, uh, as president, had promised to uh, concentrate like a laser beam on the American economy. If one can make a case for him being a strong president, it would be in that regard. And uh, the national debt was repaid 
largely during this period. It was almost $2 trillion lower than when he became president. There were over 20 million new jobs. Uh, the real wage increase went up 6.5%. In his years, it had gone down 4.3% in the previous 17 years. The unemployment rate had gone down. There's no question that in um, that sense, and he was not the sole reason why America went through its boom in the 1990s, um, but he did take some risks. He did irritate members of his own constituency with NAFTA and, and with uh, the, the GATT agreement, which led to the World Trade Organization, which irritated Democratic labor constituencies. He infuriated members of the opposition party by calling for a major increase in taxes on the rich and the very rich. He, uh, he was able to play a, a critical role in shaping this kind of economic prosperity, and that's the case for him being a good president as, as a lawyer. I think we, uh, when we talk about the media scrutiny uh, of Clinton or, or any of the modern presidents, it's important to remember that although the media was a bit more uh, slow-paced uh, 200 years ago, it was, if anything, um, at least as vitriolic, if not more so, than um, our present world of uh, blog and talk shows. And uh, uh, the kind of uh, uh, bitterness uh, that you we ascribe uh, to today's uh, media were certainly part of what went on between, for example, Adams and Jefferson and surrounding the election of uh, 1800. Right. Uh, Craig, I wonder if, if I might interject as a follow-up uh, to Professor Bennett's discussion of, of the <clears throat> facility of Clinton's mind. Uh, the ABA book begins with a quotation from the British statesman and writer Edmund Burke about uh, how the trained mind of, of a lawyer operates, and, and it says this, that the study of law renders men acute, inquisitive, dexterous, prompt in action, ready in defense, full of resources. And uh, I think to the extent that we've just heard this discussion of, of how Clinton would approach a problem, um, very different, for example, from the, the current incumbent, who is not a trained lawyer, uh, and I think does, is not trained to see the nuances uh, of complex problems, uh, sees them in, in black and white, whereas Clinton was certainly capable of understanding the gray shadings and uh, discussing them at, at length. Well, it's interesting that David raised that point and you echo it because I had the opportunity as a young lawyer to represent a nonprofit organization where President Gerald Ford was on the board and the the organization was in the midst of a lawsuit and I reported to the board about that lawsuit and in several of their quarterly board meetings engaged with President Ford for half an hour, 45 minutes at a time exploring uh, legal litigation options in an ongoing uh, lawsuit, and I found him to be every bit as sharp as the, if not more so, than the uh, senior partners in my law firm, and tremendously enjoyed the interaction with him and, and count myself uh, rare among lawyers that have had opportunity to engage in uh, legal discussions about strategy in ongoing litigation with presidents. It was a it was a fantastic experience, and I, I echo David's uh, thought about the, the councils that have had the opportunity to do that because you, you've got an unusual situation where you have a, a person who is very passionate about the nonprofit organization and has the legal training to be able to engage. And frankly, uh, we were the comp the organization was being sued 
And with President Ford's help, we turned it from uh, being sued to getting paid over two and a half million dollars. So it was a through his uh, influence was a great result. It is interesting, though, in talking about the media that that the kind of person that you're describing and and the the, the approach that President Ford was able to to make to a, again a complex situation uh, was not the impression that people had of him because of the modern media. That instead it was the bumbler, uh, not only physically uh, and prone to the slapstick, but uh, rather a person who wasn't particularly uh, fluent uh, in his speech or, or clear. And uh, so it is interesting that media. Can, can interpose, or perhaps in some cases, some presidents, and I, I think this certainly applies to the current president. I just had the opportunity last month uh, to spend a, an hour and 15 minutes in a seminar with our students and President Bush, who was visiting Louisville, and uh, I was really stunned, I have to say, at, at the clarity of his remarks uh, that just simply does not translate uh, on television. It isn't only, uh, and to take Ford as an example, the uh image that the media gives, but also the focus or the spin. Uh, Ford's uh, uh, pardon uh, after Watergate, uh, probably uh, if you were to say, gee, what do you remember Ford for, uh, would be right at the top of the list, a kind of a legal issue, but uh, not obviously the the gist of his uh, uh, presidency or his role as a lawyer within that presidency. And the sort of thing that we saw with with his uh, death most recently, uh, that I, I described it as sort of a Jerry we hardly knew ye, a, a very much revisionist view of that act, of his presidency as a whole, but certainly of the Pardon Act and, and the fact then that the Kennedy Library uh, offered him their Profile and Courage Award for the pardon itself. Uh, so history is taking a, a different view and, and having a different spin as well. Right. Well, we can get back to uh, the media, the presidency, lawyers as presidents in just a moment. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at MayItPleaseTheCourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful 
and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. I'd like to welcome back Dr. Barbara Perry, uh, Carter Glass Professor of Government and Executive Director at the Center for Civic Renewal at Sweetbriar College in Virginia, currently in Louisville, and Professor Kenvin Roth, Professor of Law, Dean and former President of Vermont Law School, and Professor David Bennett, Meredith Professor of History at the Maxwell School of Syracuse University. Well, we've been talking a bit of history in American lawyer presidents, uh, and with that backdrop of history, I'd like to shift for a moment and talk about the current election. We have at least three lawyer candidates, John Edwards, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama. What uh, professors do you think that uh, lawyer presidents are going to fare in the current election? Some of you have noted that presidents uh, these days are not as likely to be lawyers. They're they're two... uh different ways to look at the question. One is kind of related to what we were just saying about uh, image and spin and how that will affect the electoral politics. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton is, uh, as a lawyer, forever going to be associated with the health care effort, uh, legislative effort that she shepherded and saw go down in flames in the first uh, term of uh, the uh, President Clinton's presidency. Um, John Edwards is going to be carrying around the the rap that uh, seems always to attract uh, fire of uh, being the plaintiff's uh, tort lawyer, uh, raising all our medical bills. I'm not sure that uh, uh, Barack Obama has yet uh, uh, been uh, touched that way by aspects of his legal background. But if we turn to the other dimension, what what skills uh, does a lawyer bring that, once selected, uh, make that uh, person a uh, uh, plausible, even a successful president? Uh, uh, that requires, I think, a different kind of evaluation of the three of them. Um, I had actually done a, a list and, and count, perhaps this is a political scientist and me, the listing and counting things, uh, but in, in listing out the uh, six or so candidates on the Democratic side uh, who are in the running, I, I noted that five of the six, all but Kucinich, uh, have law degrees. Uh, for the Republicans, and these would be candidates or potential candidates, uh, I listed out eight, um, five of them have uh, a law degree. So uh, a bit fewer on the GOP side. I wondered if it might be tied into the fact that that you have Hillary Clinton, Obama, Edwards, uh, certainly Hillary and Edwards from the baby boom generation, Obama just a little bit after that, uh, Joe Biden, uh, Chris Dodd a little bit older. But the fact that they are Democrats and they, they 
came to came of age in a time of the the liberal wing of our politics uh, miraculous use of public interest law and i think if you note for certainly clinton and obama uh, both hillary and and barack i think went into law school or at least came out of law school i think obama going a little bit later as he did already had been a, a neighborhood organizer in chicago again on a a public interest uh, attack uh, and the same for hillary clinton coming out of yale her interest was uh, child advocacy. Um, Edwards obviously uh, take, takes a different uh, career path to the Senate, but afterwards now has has his center, um, his poverty center at Chapel Hill. So uh, it, it may be that that being a lawyer and coming of age in the period in which they did. Uh, sort of causes them to to have this lawyer background, whereas the Republicans a, a, a bit less so. Well, and we have to remember that these uh, the three leading Democratic candidates, uh, at least in all the polls at this time, uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and uh, John Edwards are just not lawyers, but in the case of Edwards, as you were saying, before they, they, he was an immensely successful lawyer that carries its own baggage, Barack Obama teaches at the University of Chicago Law School. Hillary Clinton was on the faculty of the University of Arkansas Law School. These are people who have law degrees. Um, they have practiced, but they have uh, also been deeply involved in the law in ways that uh, some other people who are attorneys and who get involved in politics and become uh, lawyers who are aspirants for the presidency have not. So uh, I think we're dealing with extraordinarily able and bright people in this regard. Of course, Rudy Giuliani was a well-known um, district attorney in, in New York, uh, and so he has made his own mark as, um, as a, a lawyer aspirant for the presidency. John McCain clearly had a very different career track, and like some other people who came out of the military and became chief executives or at least candidates for, for the presidency. Uh, he's coming from that direction. Uh, interestingly, uh, Mitt Romney on the Republican side, I noted, uh, has a combination of a JD and an MBA from Harvard, uh, so might be headed more into the, that 20th century, 20th, 21st century uh, business realm uh, rather than, than the law, but he does have that combination degree from Harvard. And he certainly is doing well in, in, in gathering money, so perhaps the business side is serving him well there. And Barbara, you're a, UV, you're a UVA graduate, and if we talk about strong presence in history, we have to go back to Woodrow Wilson, who was a famous educator, historian, political scientist, Princeton president, but a graduate of the University of Virginia Law School. That's right. Actually, uh, I'm not sure he, he got a degree, but he, he did spend a year or two there. And, and in going through the ABA uh, entry on him, I noted, I don't, I don't know whether this is, is sad or, or just poignant, but that he, he was not a, a particularly good lawyer, or at least he didn't enjoy his, his one year or so service in the law. Uh, and it seemed to indicate that one of his few clients was his mother, <laughs> which I thought was rather cute, but again, uh, may say something about his abilities as a lawyer. And certainly for those of us in political science, we like to claim him uh, as for his Ph.D. in political science and his works that we still read uh, in that area. Anyway, only, only Ph.D. To, to be in the White House, and, and maybe uh, possibly Newt Gingrich trying to follow in his footsteps as a Ph.D. in history. Well, we're nearing the end of our program, and we need to uh, take a moment to get your uh, final thought and your contact information for our listeners. So let's start with Kinvin. Uh, you could wrap up today's program, give us your thought, and uh, our, your contact information for our listeners, please. 
my concluding thought would be that lawyers or people with lawyer training and experience have four or five basic uh, skills and how they use them in their presidency uh, uh, depends in part on what kind of a man or woman they are as a human being and in part has has earlier been suggested on what the uh, situation presents them with. But uh, they come with a broad knowledge of how government works, theory and practice, uh, some uh, instinct for planning and designing uh, uh, structures of uh, institutions and legislation, negotiating talents. The talent is advocate, of course, overstated by the public, but uh, critical. And then what I think of as sort of the fiduciary instinct coming from the role of lawyer as representative of client and responsible for uh, the client's interests. So that's the package of skills. Whether those skills are marketable, I guess this coming election is going to give us some more insight uh, to. And how about your contact information? Uh, my uh, uh, email is kwroth at vermontlaw.edu, and that uh, is probably the best way to reach me. Otherwise, my mail address is Vermont Law School, South Royalton, Vermont, 05068. And David, your final thought and your contact information, please. Well, there have been um, many, as you pointed out, Craig, there have been many lawyer presidents across American history, fewer since the end of the Second World War. Um, Some of our lawyer presidents have been successful, and many of them have not. It depended, of course, on their intelligence, on their character, on their vision, their values, and their political skills. And um, this, it helped to be uh, a lawyer in some cases, but in some cases, clearly, it had no impact. We do have a number of very able lawyers who are aspirants for the presidency this time, and uh, we'll have to see what the future holds. Um, I can be reached at my email address, D.H. Bennett, I spell it with two T's, but the email is with one, D.H. Bennett at maxwell.crsyr.edu or at uh, the History Department at Syracuse University. Great, thank you. And Barbara? Yes, I think I I would take the approach that let's look at these candidates uh, currently before us as as the potential voters that we are uh, and think about what kinds of traits and what kinds of backgrounds and experiences that we would like for those who would hold the modern presidency and realize the modern presidency has changed along the lines we discussed in terms of media, but also that the president heads a vast bureaucracy now. uh, And so we may be leaning not only towards lawyers, but those with business backgrounds and, and other experiences. My contact information is perry, P-E-R-R-Y, at S-B-C dot E-D-U. That is my email. And I think we should draw attention uh, to the ABA, not only to the book on the subject, but to their website, abanet.org. Uh, they actually have uh, under, if you do .org slash museum, you can actually see the museum exhibit and parts of it that they have currently at the museum in Chicago on lawyer presidents. And we'd like to thank each of you for joining today and and recommend the book, American Lawyer Presidents, from Law Office to Oval Office, which all three of you have contributed to. Thank you very much for participating in today's program, and we'll be back next week with another session of Lawyer to Lawyer. 
Thanks again for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.